0: Let the games begin. I
1: didn't come here to preach to you today, but you know... That boy's good. Good and terrible. Did you see the memo about this? I got a message for all of them. Ready? Shake! But I don't way. Way. That just happened. Boom, and just like that, welcome to the world-famous Say F it podcast, episode 141. I'm Gary Scott, and as always, I'm taking care of all of your movie needs. You don't have to do anything. You just sit back, relax, listen, and I will do all of the work. It's just that simple. Let me see. This week I have one, two movies, a documentary, and a docu-series and I have a conversation with the stars of Stop and Go, Whitney Call and Mallory Everton. We had a great conversation. I can't wait for you to hear it. And the message of the week. I know I said a lot of ands, but, you know, I got to tag it on. And, and, and. So with that, before I give you any of that, you know what you got to do for me. Make sure you log on to sayeffit.com, S A Y E F F I T.com. If you want to connect with me on all socials, it's easy. Say effort across all platforms, S A Y E F F I T. And if you want to send me an email, it's pretty simple. It's Gary Scott at sayeffit.com. And if you want to keep up with the show, I suggest that you should. You can find me on all places that you get your audio on demand or your podcast. It's pretty simple. You just type in say F it S-A-Y-Space E F F space, space I T exclamation point. Say F it comes up and you can like it, subscribe to it, drop me a review. Help me. Out, it's not a hard ass. Just you know, do me a solid. Now that I've taken care of that, first up is Candyman, which is rated R, has a running of time of about an hour and 31 minutes, and it stars Yahya Abdul Mateen II, Tiana Paris, and this was directed by Nia DaCosta, and it was written by Jordan Peele. Now you might be saying to yourself, Candyman, Candyman, Candyman. Yes, it's a reboot, and initially when I found out about it, I kind of was split a little bit because I really wasn't sure how to feel. Now, usually when people say, I don't know how I feel about something, they don't know exactly how they feel. But with this, it was Jordan Peele is connected to it, and he's had just great success with his projects. So I had some... Some tempered optimism, if you will, about the project, and then it being directed by a woman just another great win for Hollywood a black director, a black woman director. So now I'm getting excited about it, but there's a couple of things first and foremost. This is a reboot, and I've always shared with you guys how I feel about reboots. Initially, my perspective was I really don't like them, but then I changed my perspective because even if they released a hundred Candyman's or a hundred of any of your favorite franchise, your movie franchise, it shouldn't taint how you feel about that original work. They can both live in the same plane, if you will, and you can not like one and really like the other, and the reboot shouldn't impact how you feel about the original, because most of the time, the originals are classics. That's one. Two, this was going to be the very first time I was going to a theater in almost probably about 18 months, so then I'm not really sure if I'm going to be up for it, but... That particular weekend, I'm feeling good, and I'm like, I'm going to go. I'm going to do this. So I go, see the film, and then as I saw it, it was it was very weird how it was constructed. I will say Yahya Abdul-Mateen II's performance was absolutely standout, and he's great in everything that he's doing. He's also going to be in the new Matrix movies coming out. So his performance was great. The issue that I had with this was more of the execution and the storytelling. But as I saw it, I was really trying to make sense of it because they also tried to have, and I commend them for this, they tried to have a social justice piece to this. I just felt like it was muddied a little bit with the delivery of how they were doing this. You have Yahya Abdul-Mateen II playing an artist who's really struggling with his inspiration, his inspo, if you will. And then he gets caught up into the whole Candyman world. And Tayana Paris played his girlfriend. She had a great performance as well. And it just... It felt as if some things got cut off and I would have liked to see more character development. Now, with a running time of about an hour and 31 minutes, I was thinking that you were going to get to it and we were going to understand everything that was going on. But, as I said, the execution of it was a little bit muddy for me and I would have liked to see a bit more character development. I will say that the special effects were good. Yaya's performance, great. Just, I would have liked more from it. And most of the time when I talk to you guys, I would like to say that I want to always cut some time off. But with this, I would have liked to see maybe another 10, 15, almost 20 minutes more so we could have seen these characters breathe a little bit more and and get a little bit of background on them and see them develop a bit more so that everything could have been brought together. So with this it was I was just exactly I was just so conflicted about how I felt about it. But I will say Definitely props to Nikki DaCosta, Jordan Peele, because I, I already know it's extremely hard to create and it's hard to make a movie. I just wanted so much more from this project. So with that, I'm sliding Candyman, which is rated R, has a running time of about an hour and 31 minutes. I'm sliding it as a wait. Next up is Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. It's rated PG-13 and has a running time of about two hours and 12 minutes. And this stars Simu Liu and Aquafina, Ben Kingsley. And this is an interesting movie because we're really in this weird space with Marvel. Because I was talking to a friend of mine, Brad Gullickson, shout out to the It My Podcast, and I was thinking that Marvel has exhausted all of their ammo. They don't have any more standard franchises that people will identify with, the Iron Mans, the Captain Americas, the Avengers, All of this has been done. And then they started getting into the Black Panthers, the Ant-Mans, the Doctor Stranges. So now we're in this really weird space with Marvel, and they're going to have to create new franchises and new stars. And here comes Shang-Chi. Now, I wasn't familiar with Shang-Chi, but because I'm a nerd, I went ahead and as soon as I heard about this movie coming out, I went to the Marvel Encyclopedia, did my research, and then I understood and gave me a bit more background. And that's one of the things that I've been trying to do if I'm not really familiar with a particular comic book character, is do my research just so I understand the positioning. I won't understand the positioning If I were to read the whole franchise, the whole comic book franchise, and understand the ins and outs, the intricacies of the character. But a general high-level overview is good for me. So now that I see that Shang-Chi has this complicated relationship with his father and, and just all of this and a martial arts master, all of these great things. So as I'm seeing this play out, I'm really thinking that this is... Sort of like every time they release a a new character or, or a new Marvel movie, they have to do a lot of storytelling. And I'm much more forgiving now of that because you have to set the stage. You have to set the table. You have to make people be okay with the character itself. And then after that, if there's a second film, hopefully there will be, you can... Go into all of the action. You can go into all of the "quote unquote" fun stuff that happens when you have the Marvel franchise or any superhero franchise. So as I'm seeing this, I'm understanding what's going on. So I know that they're really greasing the wheel and telling the story, and and that's one of the things that I really appreciate. Not just in these type of movies, but all films. I enjoy just the storytelling of it all. And they did a really great job with setting the stage and giving you the background of Shang-Chi and where he's from and his family and just all of these things. And they had some special guests that popped up in the film. And then also just the, the action was really great. And then the set design, the costumes, just all of this was awesome in bringing this whole world to life. And then this is extremely important because this is an Asian superhero character and this is needed. We need more diversity in the world, but definitely to be brought to life within the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So I was excited to see that. It's kind of along the same lines of what happened with Black Panther because that was that was the first and and now you see this and it's a Marvel character so you want it just really wanting this this character in this movie to succeed. So as I'm I'm watching this, I'm I'm getting involved and I'm sucked into the world and it's just a great experience. And I will say that if you go to see it, make sure you stay, there was one time where I was watching, I believe it was Ant-Man, I don't know what I was thinking, lapse in judgment, and I got up and left after the film was over, the credits are rolling, that's a Absolute no-no when you watch a Marvel movie. You stay until the lights come on because sometimes they have mid-credit scenes. Sometimes they have end-of-credit scenes and you don't want to miss anything. So here I am looking like a doofus. Missed it. Missed the Ant-Man credits, the post-credit scenes. And then I have to go online and hopefully try to find it. And luckily I did. But with this, stay to the end and make sure you do as well. And you won't be disappointed by it. It was very well put together and very great to see. So with that, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, which is rated PG-13, has a running time of about 2 hours and 12 minutes. I'm going to slot Shang-Chi as a full price. Next up is a documentary, Bob Ross' Happy Accidents, Betrayal and Greed. It's rated TV 14 and has a running time of about an hour and 33 minutes. Now, this is a documentary, and I absolutely love each and every documentary, docu-series I can get my hands on because it's new information. And I was familiar with Bob Ross, really from the outside looking in. Because I knew about his PBS television show where he was painting. Gonna you're gonna make some some happy little trees. Just happy little trees there. And that's pretty much all I know. I do also know that there is an MMA fighter named Violent Bob Ross. That's the extent of Bob Ross that I know. So as I watch this. It was good to get a background on who he was and where he came from, and they did a great job of laying it out. But they also did a great job of highlighting just the turmoil. So as I watched this, I was thinking to myself, everything can't be all happy. Every documentary, usually there's a turn that happens, and then we get the underbelly of that person's life, or the business, or just anything. We just get that underbelly that all documentaries need. It's necessary. And I watched this, and I became quite sad because of the fact that there was so much going on with his estate, and his life, and just all of this. And you just can really feel the pain, because they they talked to several people that were close to him, that did the show with him, his son, friends, all of this. And you can't help but feel what someone is dealing with when not only do they lose a loved one, but all of the ugliness that comes out after somebody dies. Because in essence, that's usually when just the... The ugliness of a person shows itself is when someone passes away and if there's money attached to it or anything of value, people will become just very, very nasty. And this is no exception with Bob Ross. So with that, I'm going to slot Bob Ross, Happy Accidents, Betrayal and Greed, which is rated TV 14 and has a running time of about an hour and 33 minutes. I'm sliding it as a full Price. Next up is a docu series, and this is Lula Rich, which is rated TV fourteen, and this was recommended to me. And it's about the multi level marketing company Lularoe, and I was totally in the dark about Lularoe. Had no idea who they were, what they did, what they sold, and it's about a company that sold leggings, and so as they were selling leggings, then they started the multi-level approach, and anytime I hear MLM, that is going to be multi-level marketing, I also think it's a scam, because in order for you to make money in multi-level marketing, you have to get people under you and then those people get people under them so what they do is they sell you on this idea of getting rich everybody loves money so you get the hook that's the bait the bait is the money and these stories from these people i came from nothing and then you understand that it's extremely hard to get to that level of success in a multi-level marketing company not to say that it can't happen because it does you have those outliers but the top of the pyramid is where the money's made and you may never if ever get to that so i'm watching this and now it's a multi-billion dollar company and you just understand the gravity of this multi-level marketing company and i also view them as a pyramid scheme. As I like to say, something in the bacon ain't pork. Because with this, there's so many moving parts and you'll see that people are making money hand over fist, but it's not really making sense collectively. And it was it was just eye opening. It was eye opening because I had never heard of these leggings, but they are continuing to make money hand over fist. But ended up finding it late one Friday night, and then I watched all four episodes into the wee hours of the morning. Because it's, it's that captivating, and it's going to pull you in, and you're really, really going to enjoy it. So with that, I'm going to slot Lula Rich, which is rated TV 14, and has four episodes. I'm going to slot it as a full price. Now that takes care of all that I have, as far as movies, docu-series, but I do have a conversation with the Swiss Army Knives of this project, Stop and Go, which is a COVID comedy, and I know as soon as I heard about it, I was like, I'm not really sure. Are Are we too far removed from it where we can laugh? But the trailer just really pulled me in, and the stars, director, writers, all of these things of the film, Whitney Call and Mallory Everton, I had a conversation with them. Here it is.
2: Now I am with the, I'll call you the Swiss army knife <laughs> of this movie, Stop and Go, Whitney Call yeah, yeah. and Mallory Everton. Yeah. And so they're joining me today. So thank you.
0: Thank you so much Thank for having you, us Gary. Gary. We're
3: glad to be
2: here. I appreciate it. So, I reference you being the Swiss Army knife of stop and go because you wore so many hats <laughs> in doing this. What was it that you learned when making this film?
3: Oh, so much. We learned so much. Um, mm. mostly that
0: uh, our our goal is for the next one to not be this hard. That was what I always said. um, Gosh, if if we just make another one next time and it's not just the most painful uh, bleeding into it process, it probably will be just in different ways. It seems like it's hard every time.
3: Yeah. But I think there is something super valuable. And I think anybody who works in independent film or, you know, has made student films knows how valuable it is to have to do like every job. Like mm-hmm. Wit had to do. She was technically our casting director. She did props. She did uh, a lot. We, like Stephen and I, were looking for locations at night mm-hmm. while we were um, like we would we would wrap the day and then try and find the location for the next day. Then like sometimes it was so not ideal. Mm-hmm. But I feel like one of the best things that I learn every time I have to go through a process where I'm wearing that many hats is like movies are so hard to make crew the crew is so valuable mm-hmm. people who are good at what they do deserve all the praise in the world mm-hmm. and I just feel honestly more reverence and humility around filmmaking in general mm-hmm. just like really hope I never have to do all that stuff at once again so and it just makes me it makes me so grateful for when like those teams come together to actually like pull that off your back and to right. do it so much better than you would do it Well,
0: like a first AD, we didn't have a first assistant director on set till the second week. Um, And I remember we just, we couldn't afford one. And we basically just had to have our director also be the one trying to keep everyone on task and keep the day going at a pace. And I mean, first AD is one of those those positions on set that everyone kind of rolls their eyes at, everyone's annoyed (laughs) with. It's the guy or girl that's always like, come on, everyone. Like, keep going. But, gosh, after just the first day, we knew. We were like, we – gosh we need this we need to spread some money
3: not to have a first ad Mm -hmm. yeah
0: there were there were so many positions like that where we just knew gosh man next time when we when we have more funds available to us to make something we're really just going to get the the people that we love and who do all these positions so well in the meantime we learned so much by wearing so many hats and I'm so grateful for that experience I know though that that there are some aspects of filmmaking that I never want to do again. I want to let someone else whose joy and passion is that to bring it to the project, and so that we can all
3: just have these these great pieces we take pride in. Yeah, I'm trying to. The other main thing that I would say that I learned from this process is to to kill your overthinker, mm-hmm. at least through certain parts of the process, is a huge leg up. We had to kill our overthinkers, because we just didn't have time. So there were so many junctures where I think I would have been like, oh no, 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 let's, let's take a couple of days, a week, a month to make this better. But instead it was like, this is working well enough, we gotta keep going. Mm-hmm. And we, we end up with a finished film in mm-hmm. two months, a little over two months. Mm-hmm. And from start to finish, from idea to finished product submitted to festivals. And it's just really like, it's lit a fire in me, um, just like to kill darlings along the way uh, uh, throughout the process be prepared to just uh not take yourself so seriously and keep moving mm-hmm. uh, i would rather make four movies in two years and learn a ton from it than take eight years to make my quote-unquote perfect opus you know and so i'm so glad that our first movie was something like this it was just like we were just gonna like muscle through this. (laughs) I feel really, really lucky. And we're so lucky that people, that anybody likes it. It's been, (laughs) it's been such a nice experience. We, we know it has its flaws, but man, we're, we're so grateful we finished it and we wouldn't have, if we had, if we had stopped and said, come on, let's make it perfect. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. It's one of those things where I think that normally whenever you're doing anything for the first time, it's usually the hardest and people don't really keep that in mind when they're doing things, especially with something, whether it's this like a labor of love, where you both have this, this great energy and this, this great connection on screen. Thank you. You're welcome in in person. And so with that, you, you learn so much. But like you said, Whitney is one of those things where now I know I don't ever want to do this again <laughs> and I'm going to be able to not do this. But you have the knowledge. So when you do bring somebody in, you're like, I don't like that because <laughs> I I used to do it, uh-huh. and because th- that that's just what it is. But it's it's so good to know that you learn so much and and you've you've grown from this. So along your path, I know that you have sketch comedy in your blood from Studio C. What was the hardest thing about transitioning from Studio C to saying I want to? I love Studio C, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I want to grow and yeah. I want to go into that next step of my artistic life, so to speak.
3: Oh, oh. man, it's been really hard. Yeah. It's been a lot harder for me than I thought it would be. I mean, like Studio C, like it comes from a very like um, specific part of our like sort of cultural, religious background. So in some ways, it sort of feels like you've had. I've had to learn the like the the main question and the main the main sort of I guess thought that was going through our minds when we made this was, if we make this with our own money, this might be the first time we've ever been allowed to do whatever we want. Mm -hmm. And that's a little wild to say out loud, but prior to this point, we were always delivering to a specific client to a specific and usually it was like if you're making an ad it's got to be family friendly you they want to put it everywhere they want to reach a general audience we've made a bunch of ads and our sketch comedy show was family friendly the web series we made after that was for the same audience and And this was was, brand sponsored yeah brand sponsored when the brands are involved I'm so glad we know how to do that Mm -hmm. I want to be able to keep doing that but this was the first moment where it was like we don't have to do that if we don't want to we can talk about vaginas if we want to, (laughs) never, ever been able to like mention our own bodies before in Mm -hmm. anything we've made. So it was scary, but so freeing, Mm -hmm. you know, to be able to say, what would I make if I just wasn't, wasn't concerned about, and it's, it's not that I think clients are bad or having like a brief is bad. I think that's a huge part of being a creative person is being able to, being able to meet a brief, but this was kind of our shot, and so we decided to take it, but it has been a little scary, especially, like, we still haven't dealt with, like, our, our like, Studio C audience hasn't really seen this movie yet, mm-hmm. and we don't, we don't know how they're going to receive it, but we hope that they'll understand that artists, artists, like, it's very similar to sort of, like, I was on the Disney Channel, and now I would really like to be in this R-rated film <laughs> or something like that, you know, and those artists go through a transition period, and this is sort of our first step not to say we know exactly where we're going after this, but this was the first time that we were like, hey, this is actually also something we're interested in making, mm-hmm. along with all that family-friendly stuff that you might have liked. I don't know if you have anything to add. I'm sorry. I'll talk no,
0: more. no. I, I'm going maybe more in the, the logistical route because I think, for me, the hardest thing about lo- leaving Studio C was... I mean, Studio C was a, a full-time job for us. We had mm. benefits. We had a 401K. It was a very unique position for us, like right out of college, to be able to work with a, a network that was... Um, so rooted and secure that they were able to give us actually great jobs. So to know that it wasn't emotionally fulfilling for us to stay there and to just keep making sketch for the rest of our lives, not to say that that's not a fulfilling thing in and of itself, because people who do want to do that, I'm so grateful for them, and we will always benefit from that. I know for us, we wanted to tell more stories, longer stories, um, more characters, and for a wider audience. And so I think we... Um, it, it was that feeling of do I abandon this uh, safe safety net to go out into the real world and hope that I can make things that will reach people and be able to feed my family at the same time. And so it was this this jump into the freelance world, which was a, a tricky dance at first. But I think anyone who goes into freelance just realizes things work out, and you don't really know how, but the universe, I really feel like, uh, gives back when you when you need it to give back. It's, mm-hmm. it's moments of ebb and flow. There are some months where I make no money, and there's some months where I'm able to pay my mortgage for the next six months, and so it just kind of is going through these ups and downs and realizing that even when you're in a down, it will go back up, and I think that's been a great lesson for me to just learn for life is just to know that, okay, I have no control over what's going on around me, so all I can do is focus on myself and how I can be the best version I can be and show up. And if I'm doing my part and connecting and and being kind, then you know the universe gives
3: back and opportunities always um, show up when you're ready, even if those opportunities are ideas that you have mm-hmm. to execute yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think in a lot of ways you're just describing the art, like the life of most artists, mm-hmm. like most of the people making movies, making content are not at that upper echelon where they don't have to worry about money anymore. Most of them are figuring out this balance of living in the chaos and figuring out what ideas to snatch when and what they can do that's like their passion while they're also, you know, taking the ad work on the side or mm-hmm. doing or doing some stuff they don't like as much or f- shooting some, some, some wedding videos or whatever it mm-hmm. is. And um, I don't know, those are our people and We're we're shouting out to those people. (laughs) (laughs) Grateful that we're all in this together and we hope everyone gets to make a a passion project from time to time because it is fun and it is hard to figure out how to make money doing
2: those things. (laughs) Also with the content that you've been making, did you find it hard to balance your faith with the art because of being passionate? And artists aren't monolithic. So there's so many different aspects and chambers in your mind mm-hmm. and you want to explore that and sometimes people aren't always embracing of that because they think of you as being in a box like mm-hmm. oh, i only want to see yeah. whitney and mallory and studio C stuff and it's like what is this and so that's mm-hmm. scary so how is how is that balance between your faith and and yeah. the artistic side we've
3: been talking about this still like
2: you
0: non-stop know?
3: That's, a, that's such a thoughtful question um i think that there are There is always going to be a push and pull, but at some point in time, I feel like, at least for me, what I feel like I've been learning is the best thing I can do for my faith community, for my local community, for my art community, whatever, is show up as myself. You know, I, uh, I, you know, if you believe in a higher power, I think that that higher power loves you the way you are. Mm -hmm. You know, so when you show, and when you show up the way you are, other people like you. Are able to say hey I'm like that too and connect like actual connection if I show up saying I got to be just like all these other people or else I'm gonna get shamed or I'm gonna get shunned you never make those super genuine connections and so I think you're missing a little bit of a, a, a little bit of that like sweet godlike glory that you could get from your life mm-hmm. so it is super scary and I am really nervous about it in a lot of ways it's hard to say like you know, I think that there have been junctures where we've been approached by people who have thanked us for our work, and it's made me feel like, oh, maybe this is the only work I should do, Mm -hmm. you know? Maybe this is the only work I'm allowed to do, is another way of putting it. And I think a lot of people probably feel that way. When you build an audience, they tend to like you for one thing, like you were Mm -hmm. saying. They like you for this thing that you give, and if you do something different, they're going to say, hey, I count on you for this thing. I feel safe when you do this thing. But I don't know if you're really going to be honest in your work, if you're really going to be honest about who you are and what you think and make those really genuine connections. I think you got to be vulnerable, and I think it requires you to show up kind of imperfect, rough around the edges, whatever that means. For us, it might mean, like, we got, like, a crasser sense of humor sometimes. We might talk about bodies more than you like or something like that. But that is us, and other people who are like us are going to probably – connect with it in a way that they wouldn't connect with us if we were just like, we are prim and proper ladies who are pretending to be this way. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And and even so, I think
0: in our faith-based community, there were assumptions anyway about what was safe and what wasn't. And I f- feel like that was also relative. I mean, there were sure. aspects of our job that communicated, you know, certain lifestyles were the right lifestyles. And so to just know that for some people, that kind of constraint isn't safe. That isn't a very inclusive feeling. So even just to know that I I feel like when we're operating from a place of fear, we will never be congruent and we will never be able to actually emerge as our best selves. When we're able to, to break away from that reactive part and instead be active in what we know we can do and we nothing can touch us because we are coming from a place of self-love. Then we can stop focusing on ourselves, stop focusing on on what we need to protect ourselves or to aggrandize ourselves. and instead we can turn it outward. We can start making more um, just more genuine connections because we're no longer harbored by our fears. And so I honestly feel like that is what God wants for us. This higher power out there I feel closest to, when i am in touch with with who i am enough that i i think uh what is it i think when i think more of myself i think less about myself and it gets out of the way uh, so that i can actually connect with others
2: yeah the biggest thing for any artist because i'm an artist as well and so it's to be true to yourself like you said because when you're true to yourself people feel that people feel when you walk into a room and it's just, it just flows because you can also feel it when you walk into a room and like you said, you're being permanent and proper, you're like, you're being, All you're so- up.
3: All closed up, As need they, you to like me. Yes.
2: As they're saying white knuckling and cause you're just, you're just afraid. And it's still a, a work in progress for you to be able to feel comfortable and, and do this thing that you, you already know that people might not right. embrace. They,
3: they might not. Mm-hmm. I, and I think we just have to be Ready for that, you know, and hope that um, I shared this earlier because I think about it all the time. But I I watched this I watched this TED talk a couple of years ago that was actually it was about flirting. <laughs> this woman starts out by talking about how well she she comes out and she says like the worst joke ever. It's like one of those pickup line. pickup lines like uh, you're an angel and you fell from heaven and that kind of thing. She comes out she says that about like ten percent of the crowd laughs. She um, And she says, great, okay, who liked my joke? And then the people who laughed raised their hands and she says, great, these are the people I should flirt with because they like me. I like that joke, they like me. Why are we trying to impress people who don't like us? Mm -hmm. You know, and I think when we show up honest, it kind of cuts to the chase faster. And there is, Whitney's told me this multiple, multiple times throughout this juncture, she was like, some people are gonna really like this and those are the people who are probably gonna really like a lot of the things we make. So let's connect with them and let's not worry so much about the people who wanted us to to only do one thing which is not mm-hmm. what we want to do and that's not to say like again like that we don't like doing that thing we did it's just maybe they can watch it when we do it again mm-hmm. we can do that thing over there for them and they'll like it but we you can't like siphon you you you've got to figure out what art you want to make you have to be the one who decides what lights up your curiosity and your passion and you just can't let other people do that for you. So I guess I'm growing up. This, it's hard though. Well, and we
0: we've tried to be we've tried to be responsible as well, in a sense, because we we love our our fan base that we've built up. We love the people who have gotten us to where we are, and we hope to keep making things that they do connect with. I I hope that. There aren't people who, who walk into this and see it and say, humph, and turn around and, and never come back. I I but that I know that's the reality of it and I can't control those reactions. What I can control is being able to put the message out there that hey, we have up to this point done, you know, cleaner than Disney comedy (laughs) like we've we've done things that are so family friendly we're so proud of them we have other things we want to pursue this movie we're putting out there is like a soft (laughs) pg-13 like like little boy humor kind of movie and uh if that is something that you're not into, then totally no hard feelings. I think, like, find the things that you do feel safe with. So we're, we're trying to get that message out to our, our, our yeah. current fan base um, to just be responsible and not throw, like, you know, some, some sweet, you know, nine-year-olds into the seats who, who expect that this is going to be, you know, Studio C. Um, but at the end of the day, I also think that uh, we tried to make a movie – as our branching off away from Studio C, that wouldn't be that far of a leap. Like we didn't we didn't make the human centipede, you know? We didn't, <laughs> we, we, didn't we didn't make something that someone's like, What did I just do? Right. My my kids are <laughs> scarred, <laughs> what am I yeah, right,
2: exactly. <laughs> Eye covering, ushering out of the theater. Right. And
0: I don't know that either of us ever planned to make something sure. like that.
3: No promises.
2: We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, if that's <laughs> where
0: inspiration hey authenticity <laughs> respect respect to the to the human centipede crew but I, I do think that something here that we've made is just like hey this is it's it's a small step it's the bridge to i think the things we want to make even even branching out of straight comedies right. um, things like that that we i i'm more into dramedies and and mal really loves different uh, genre, genre mixes like
3: Horror comedies and action comedies and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, and and I just think it, in order to start telling more stories, it's really just going to involve um, it's just more.
3: That's what we're going for, more. Right, sort of just trying to get out of the box, mm-hmm. you know. And hopefully, I think that that's probably what artists always want to feel like. I, I don't know that anybody's like, I love my box. I want to stay here forever, and that's where I might make my best work. Mm-hmm. It's almost always like I got to be a little uncomfortable. And then something kind of interesting happens, you know, and that requires you to leave the box a lot of the time.
2: Nice. Still joined by Whitney Call and Mallory Everton, the Swiss Army Knives of stop and go writer, director, editors, (laughs) starring. And so just having a great conversation before we wrap up. And also, there's so many different paths that you took to get here and. This process was so unique. Is there anything about this process that you would change?
3: Mm. (laughs) I mean, like, if I could erase the pandemic, I would. (laughs) I would do that. Can we do that, Gary? Are you (laughs) giving us permission? Great. Great. (laughs) Give me the Thanos (laughs) glove. Let's (laughs) do this. (laughs) Yes. I got it. (laughs) No pandemic. No movie, but that's okay because we didn't have a pandemic. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah? What would you change with?
0: Gosh, I probably would have... I would... mm, I would have... My first thought was, I wish I would have done this sooner. Mm. Because there were so many... um, You know, there were so many scripts I was pursuing ideas that I wanted to make that I just kept being held back by well who's going to fund it who's going to make this it's oh, it's impossible I just have these scripts lying around but no one's going to invest in a no name that hasn't made a movie before and so to then just go out and make one and just decide like hey we're going to we're going to build this plane while it's taking off and we attracted people in the process who then helped it get done it really it made itself I would say I wish I would have done it sooner but I don't I don't think I do because I I think the version of myself that was nervous to start um is what got me to this version of myself Hmm. um and I'm grateful for all those past me's that felt downhearted and felt because it, it was it was cultivating these roots to really come up and and do something now so um I wouldn't change doing it sooner, I guess, so I didn't answer your question.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I liked your answer, though. Um, I mean, it's hard. It's sort of a weird Mm chicken-egg situation, almost, because it's like, well, did we get the movie because of the crazy timeline? Mm -hmm. Because if I could change anything, it would be the timeline, right? Like There were so many pain points because of that timeline. Mm -hmm. But I'm also not sure we would've done it without that timeline, Mm -hmm. Like without that weird fire that was suddenly like, if we finish this film, we could have a film in two months. Well, that would be kind of cool, right? Mm-hmm. Have a feature done in two months and we we can just do that. Um, but I never want to make anything that fast again. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was brutal and awful in so many ways. It was hard on relationships. It was hard, like, it was hard seeing our crew and people, like, suffer and be scared and mm-hmm. stuff. I mean, we tried to make everything as safe as possible, but it was so stressful. I would never, ever want to make anything that fast again. So if I could change anything, it would be, like how we, we got the idea in, in you know April even, mm-hmm. <laughs> instead of June, yeah. <laughs> end of June, yeah. um, because the, that fast timeline, while it did us so many favors, it also made everything harder, mm-hmm. uh, almost everything. Even like Whitney brought up earlier, that everything, um, all of the conversations, we had to film our side of the conversation before we had the actors on the phone. And that is so unideal to me. Like We didn't get to react to real things, so there were quite a few things we had to rewrite and post. Not a ton, Mm -hmm. but there were a couple of little sections where we were trying to like, okay, we have a raised eyebrow from Whitney, Mm -hmm. we have a disgusted look from Mallory, we gotta reverse engineer this and write a new line because the first one didn't work and we feel like this isn't gelling. I mean it's just so unideal to make things out of order like that. And that's just one example of mm-hmm. we also like, we should have just shot the phones differently, but our VFX team didn't come on so until so late that they weren't really consulting. So then we like we're so grateful we had Soro come on to, to help us with the the back end money side the back end, I just mean post mm-hmm. money side, because They had so much more work to do than if we had just shot those videos ahead of time and filmed the actual screens. That's what we would have done if we weren't just like tripping over our shoes (laughs) to make this movie at all. So quick timeline is not for the faint of heart. Mm -hmm. Don't ever wanna do it again.
2: Before we get out of here, I always ask all my guests, I have a say F at five. So it's five things that mean the most to you at this moment in time. It could always be different. So I'll go first. So number 1 is bacon.
3: Ooh, oh. good choice. Number 2
2: is working out.
3: Yes. Oh, nice. Take care of that body.
2: 3 is my family, 4 is my friends, and 5 I will say are jelly belly jelly beans. Ooh. Ooh.
0: I like your choices.
2: <gasps> I love jelly beans.
0: Oh my word. This is Everybody tricky. Wants. 5. That's a lot. And I
2: got a I got a bonus one for you as well.
0: Ooh. Ooh You're okay. making me stretch. Um, okay, one is, uh, I would say, gosh,
3: uh, <sighs> putting us on the spot, Gary. I know, hold on. Okay, um, I, I'm just going to go with my gut. I'm going to mm-hmm. say family. My family's crazy crucial to me. Friends, co- like community, sort of like feeling like I belong in some kind of like place, you know. That's super important to me. Um, I'm going to say faith and spirituality is very crucial to me as well it's like i i don't know how to get out of the out of bed um without it uh and then running i got to run or else like i go crazy in like 2 days flat um and then i'm going to say candy <laughs> just candy no i should have said music but i said candy first
2: What's your go to candy
3: oh can i say all candy yeah <laughs> you <laughs> i mean i like i it's really hard to find a candy i don't like other than maybe black licorice i don't love black licorice but like go-to is probably i mean chocolate peanut butter anything um but man yeah i love a jelly bean i love sour sour gummies and stuff like that too i love everything girl
0: okay so one of mine it's going first but it might not be top <laughs> <So> this <laughs> is fine. this is really weighing it differently but trader joe's has yes, gonna,
2: that's uh, that's number six. If I had six, <laughs> I love it, I love it's it. high on the list.
0: Uh, Trader, okay, Trader yeah. Joe's has this new snack. It's chocolate peanuts that they're the shape of peanuts, but it's just chocolate, <gasps> and inside it's peanut butter with crispy rice. A little
3: crispy, you got it. So gotta it's try like this.
0: peanut butter cups, but with
2: crunchy. You're going to make me go there this
3: Do later. it, Gary, do it. Get them. I'm not even, t- I'm, you'll eat the whole bag in one second. Yes, because they're right.
0: small bags. They're,
2: they're too, they're too small. small. I affectionately refer to. To Trader Joe's is my baby mama's house.
0: Oh
2: because I always go there. I gotta go to my baby mama's house. (laughs) I gotta
0: go and take care of all my babies. Check all my meats. I love it. I love it. No, yeah. I was gonna say those chocolate those chocolate peanuts, but I think all of Trader Joe's. It just there's such a there's I. I we gonna pick five things
3: from Trader Joe's. <laughs> Forget her three boys and her husband. She's just <gasps> like I gotta. Give he'll money. he'll understand. Oh I don't care about
0: <laughs> He'll understand though, because that does come first in our marriage. Um, no, yeah, Trader Joe's. Um, definitely my family. I've got three sweet boys that just teach me things every day about. Uh, How beautiful people are right from the get go, Mm. and you can't you can't control them, and that's probably the right way. (laughs) Um, And I'd say my friends for sure. I'm such an extrovert. That's how I've realized that's how I gain energy. I'm maybe not a loud extrovert. I'm not necessarily an extrovert in huge groups, but that is how I energize is being around my friends. So I'm so grateful we get to gather again, in some quantity. So that, that, friends. Um, I would say my garden. I'm working on gardening right now. I've just, like, taken a huge chunk of grass out of our yard to make this nice native cottage garden in Utah where things don't grow very well. <laughs> We've got crappy clay soil, and I know nothing about gardening.
2: You should try a master class.
0: It's Definitely. a master class? Oh, I should.
2: They have a gardening they have. master class. i have been. Yeah, I've, I'm a big proponent of master class yeah. because I've been yeah. doing it since, like, we've been know. inside. Yeah. So I've taken all so I've watched all sorts. So you should they have a gardening class oh, on there.
0: I love that. I love That's that beautiful. so much. Did I say five things? Trader Joe's, family, friends, mm-hmm. gardening. Um, I would say, too, yeah, just the time to, to meditate and be with my higher power. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. And the bonus question is uh, someone told me that you love peanut butter. Yes. So,
0: who said that?
2: Creamy or crunchy? Oh.
0: oh. Okay. Well, if it's just by the spoonful because I do, <laughs> it's creamy. If it's in stuff, that extra crunch, man, it adds this 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 layer of okay. just a, a tactile experience. That's why those chocolate peanuts are such a yeah. it's such a beautiful experience. Peanut butter cups all day long, right? I will eat those till the cows come home. But then the peanuts, you add the little bit of crisp and all of a sudden there's a different part of my body involved in this experience. I've just been grounded to the
3: present and I am here with this peanut butter. I hear you. There is not a peanut butter I wouldn't eat. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: 100%. Well, I thank you so much. This is a great conversation. Go out and see Stop and Go. I can't wait to see your next project. And just wonderful beautiful souls thank you for your time
0: thank you you. thanks for having us
2: once again i want to thank whitney call and mallory everton
1: for their time and just an absolute great conversation stop and go is available on all streaming platforms so definitely go out and see it you won't be disappointed now that i've taken care of that i have to leave you with the message of the week but before I do that, you know what you have to do for me. Make sure you log on to sayfit.com. S A Y E F F I T.com. If you want to send me an email, it's simple Gary Scott at sayfit.com. If you want to connect with me on all socials, simple S A Y E F F I T across all platforms. And no matter where you get your audio on demand or your podcast, SayEffit is there. Find me, like me, subscribe to me so you do not miss an episode now that i've taken care of that it's now time for the message of the week life only comes to a stop when you decide not to move make the conscious decision to always go forward the journey isn't always meant to go by fast that was the message of the week. This is the Say F It Podcast, episode 141. I'm Gary Scott, as always. Thank you for listening. And once again, thank you to Whitney Call and Mallory Everton. Enjoy the conversation. Thank you all for listening. I really, really appreciate it more than you'll ever know. Until next time, uh, you know what you got to do. Say say, say. F It. F It. F It. F it. F it. F it.